Long ago, Paul, the Lord Elver, read that most ancient tome, Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. For years he obsessed over it, looking to impart his nearly useless knowledge on any who would hear. But slowly, he discovered that what nerds that may like such things had already read Tolkien and knew all of his ponderous lore. And so the Lord Elver grew quiet and asked no more. Time wore on. The plague came. Kings and queens sealed themselves away in their castles. Dwarves burrowed deeper into their mines, and elves withdrew into their woods. And Paul continued to scroll through the missives on token Twitter. Yet, in this time of isolation and uncertainty, hope sprang anew. For he came upon the most unlikely person imaginable, a nerd from L.A. named Tori. She had been shown the films of Lord of the Rings by Molly, the Scrivener, but had yet to read any of the ancient tales. And so, packing up what resources he had, Paul set out to teach Tori all he knew of Tolkien's world and change their lives forever. But things would not always be so safe, for trolls stalk the halls of Tolkien Twitter, and many come to bum us out with really stale takes. And yet, we must carry on, for it is the journey, the journey of the Silly Marillion. And welcome to this week's episode of The Silly Marillion Season 3. Season We're three. finally getting Tori into the meat of Tolkien. We're getting her into the stuff we all wanted her to get to. And we're here. We're finally here. We oh, are damn. beginning Fellowship of the Ring. Tori, Hi, you're Paul. here. Thanks Look for how far you made week. it. Oh, yes, of course. Glad you could, glad you could stop by. Remember when we thought oh. this was only going to be one season, and then we had a second season, and now we're here on season three? Well, I kept thinking, like, we read The Silly Marillion, but the silly, if you just read The Silly Marillion and went, okay, I'm <laughs> That's done with all. Tolkien, Bye. I'd be like, okay, you what disgust that? me. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was that would be a horrific way to end it. No, you have to read Lord of the Rings. It's why Tolkien is famous. It's like I gosh. Well, I think I'll need someone to back us up. And luckily, <laughs> we have someone who is quite skilled at backing up in regards oh, of yes. hobbits at least. Special would you care occasion. to introduce our Special, special occasion calls for a special guest, and it only felt right to have on the person who introduced me to Lord of the Rings in the first place. So, um, hey, Molly, how you doing? Hi, I'm so excited. It is about damn time that you read the Lord of the Rings. I can't believe it's taken you this long. We've been friends for like uh... almost three years, and uh, a large part of that friendship was founded on me 
being like, you need to sit down and watch the extended edition Lord of the Rings films with me immediately. And, so, um, so yeah, <laughs> I've, I've talked about the story a couple times where the our whole friendship came from because I was like, oh, I've never watched or read or done anything with Lord of the Rings. And you're like, this, this can't happen. We can't be friends. And I was like, we need to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from your point of view, can you actually talk a little bit about what that was like introducing me to it? Well, I was, I was so excited that you wanted to get into it because I feel like by this point in a, in life, in adulthood, 20 years out from the amazing Peter Jackson trilogy, like people have an opinion. People are either like Lord of the Rings is too long and complicated for me or they're like, I love it. Um, or there's so, no one's really in between. Honestly, I think people either they got so, the uh, intensity of love changes, but people either think it's great or they're like deeply uninterested. So the fact that you were like completely like fresh fallen snow, like you <laughs> you had no thoughts about it, but you were willing and open to uh, uh, be shown, be taken on a journey to Middle Earth truly meant so much to me. And so it was just really fun and really delightful to get to uh, show them to you and try to make it, try to give you because I recognize that Lord of the Rings is very complicated. And I recognize that there's feelings I have about it that I have because this story has been in my life for over 20 years. And so trying to give you the context required to tap into some of those feelings um, was like a really fun challenge. And it was also just a great way to become friends. Your chart and graph was so helpful watching the movies or else I would not have recognized which white man was which white man. I remember when we started this, I told Steph, I was like, oh, I actually thought Sam was Frodo and Frodo was <laughs> Sam this whole time. Like looking at your art and seeing images, I did not, I had the characters backwards from the get go. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. You know, there, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of white men. It's pretty much, pretty <laughs> much exclusively that. Um, some of them have little pointy ears, but it's, it's, yeah, I you needed you needed a chart and some printed out images. Um, yeah, and I think my first like actual like hearing of Tori was through your references on Tolkien Twitter. Of I've made this chart for my friend who's not seen <laughs> Lord of the Rings, and my thought was, oh come on, who hasn't seen Lord of the mm -hmm. Rings? Only who, Tori. Who, who <laughs> Just calls me. himself a In nerd and has not seen Lord of the Rings? God, wait, so that well, means that whole yeah. instance is the whole reason Paul and I met and the whole reason we have a podcast. It all comes back to you, Molly. I consider myself like the the godmother of this podcast, <laughs> the the Gandalf who, who introduced Thorin to Bilbo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really, and for that we are incredibly thankful because it has been a heck of a ride with Tori uh yeah, not just on this yeah. podcast but just like in our friendship in general like now I'm like oh yeah my lesbian mom's over in LA <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> you're Steph at and Tori her wedding. Yeah, you're at I was her at wedding. yeah I was at a wedding Wild. like my goodness yeah. how how these things have grown it's from beautiful. a little seed known I think as Tolkien like Twitter yeah, I think like it was it was the summer of 2020 and we all were just a little bit lost and a little bit <laughs> spinning out and trying to make sense of a scary world. And um, for me, that meant writing and drawing. And yeah, kind of, I mean, there was there was a Tolkien Twitter before I was there, but I definitely like fired it up a little there bit was a at that time. Specifically um, of like queer Tolkien Twitter, though, which is like, yes, that's the lovely. specific. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I have. Yeah. One, I have one no, more go, question before no, we kind of delve into the actual book. Um, since because we all know this is Tori starting to read it for the first time, I wanted to kick off a question to both of you guys talking about your first time that you read it or had it read to you. How old you were? Where were you? What was that like? Never forget your first time. Uh, do you want to go first, Molly? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I think my dad read it to me, which I think is a pretty common story. Um, and I, I know that he read The Hobbit to me when I was quite young, probably like four or five, because I remember five or six, maybe I remember sort of yeah, learning young. how words on a book fit together by sort of watching over his shoulder as he read. And I couldn't quite read the words, but I could sort of like... I started to figure out like, okay, here's when the page turns and stuff. Here's here's what dialogue looks like. So I kind of like learned book formatting from that, which I think J.R.R. Tolkien would approve of. Um, <laughs> and he, yes, then he read me Lord of the Rings from the truly awful, I don't know if you've seen them, Tori, but the truly awful 70s painted fantasy romance covers. Is it, is it, the, one, is it the one where Legless has like five o'clock shadow and yes. the two towers one? Yes. That was the, that was where the additions my dad had as well. <laughs> And they're so ugly. And, like, Bilbo's so ugly on the cover of The Hobbit. Like, it's just, it's awful. And I was, like, I hated the cover so much. But then the inside was so magical. Um, and so, yeah, my dad, uh, who I love very much, did all the voices. He did a great Samwise Gamgee Ew. that I, like, totally attribute to my love for Sam. Um, and, yeah, that was just, it was it was read to me so young that I truly didn't know if it was like, I didn't understand that it was a work of fiction. I thought it was maybe like, because I was also really into Greek myth at that time. So I thought it was maybe another kind of myth, which is what, what it was intended yeah. to be. It worked exactly Tolkien's as intended. Tolkien's like, yes, it is. Yes, Tolkien <laughs> from the grave is like, finally. Um, but yeah, so it's it's very, very deep in my like creative DNA and deep in my heart just because it's just, for me, it is like one of the foundational stories of my life. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I love uh, that. I'm kind of similar. Uh, I first got into Tolkien via the 1977 animated Hobbit film, uh, which we watched. Uh, that was how I first got into it. Like, going in Blockbuster, like, picking up the DVD. Like, oh, it has, like, a wizard and a dragon on it. Like, oh, I want to I wanna take this back home. And watching it, and my dad being like, God, this is so campy. And me just being enthralled by it. Be like, is there more? And my dad's like, yeah, it's based on a book. <laughs> so my dad got out his editions, read me The Hobbit, started, and then, like, once we were finished with that, he started reading me Fellowship of the Ring. I dropped off really quickly because the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, I was, like, seven or eight, and I'm like, what is with... What's so important about this gay guy having a big birthday party? Like, I don't get this. What? Oh, he's selling his house? What, real estate? This doesn't sound fun. Where are the swords? Where's what the fighting? Where's the wizards? Like. The wizard, the wizard came here and for an entire chapter just fucking talked about history. Like, what, what's, what was with that? I, the Hobbit cool. does start out really fast. The Hobbit is like... Oh, yeah. No, it's like, Hobbits are chapter. here. Next chapter, trolls. Yeah. Like, that's what happens. <laughs> Meanwhile, this one is like, I'm selling my house. It's like, it almost reads almost like a, like almost like slightly like a Jane Austen novel. It's like, oh, Master Baggins is leaving Bag End for Crick Hollow. Oh, my. <laughs> He's taking his gardener with him? My goodness. It's like and 17 so, like, years past. Like, it's like such yeah, a it's slow like, opening. It's like, whoa. And so I didn't get into Fellowship of the Ring until maybe I was 
10. It was after my dad like borrowed the extended editions because I'd not seen the movies yet from his friend. And we watched the extended editions. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. So now I have to read the books. And so that the movies were kind of what propelled me through this first part of Fellowship of the Ring. And from there on, uh, every, it, was, it was history. It was oh, like, man, I didn't know you saw the movies first. Uh, yeah, I saw the movies yeah. first of the books. Uh, and that, again, I guess that kind of paints how I viewed characters for the longest time. Only now have I really been letting my imagination kind of take hold. Technically, I saw the animated Return of the King first before I saw the extended editions, because that was also at that blockbuster. So Mm. I guess in my head, Frodo and Sam had these very big noses as hobbits and were just very round boys. That's valid. Um, I think that's accurate. I mean, it's I think I'm showing Tori that Return of the King anime on Sunday, and I'm very excited. Ooh. <laughs> it is that's 100% Sam Frodo hurt comfort. <laughs> it is Nothing else. beautiful. Oh, boy. <laughs> Buckle up. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's that's basically how I got into it, and... It, what a wild ride it's been, getting into Lord of the Rings Online, Tolkien Twitter, like, all that fun stuff. Now you got a podcast. A lot of Whoa. my friend group, yeah, a lot of my friend group is actually based on the fact that we all liked Lord of the Rings, and then found out we also liked other stuff as well. Like, my entire D&D group is based off being part of a Tolkien Discord, another one, and that's been just fantastic to experience, so... You know, I feel like Tolkien is one of those linchpins of being a nerd. Like, you, like everyone has basically read it or seen it, and we all relate to it at some juncture. And I think that's that has proved to be a very fun and important detail for a yeah. lot of me and my friends. Right, but now that we're all emotional and in our now we're all here, and now that we're all ready, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh uh, we Tori! have started. We have started Tori off with, of course, having to read concerning hobbits, a very yes. important element of this. I book. was stressing out that we were going to get on air, and Tori would not have read concerning hobbits. Well, and Tori's like, to "Are like, we just okay, reading? We're pausing." I yeah, Tori's ask. like, "Are we just reading the first chapter?" I'm like, "You do realize Molly's going to be on this podcast? No, <laughs> well, no, you I have to read know. concerning hobbits. There was you like must be well aware." And then there was like, here's a note on the anniversary. I'm like, when does this book actually start? It's like 100 pages in until you get to the first chapter. (laughs) It is. I find it so delightful. So like the meta text, the meta story of Lord of the Rings. We're going to get into that. (laughs) Let's go. Um, The meta text is that J.R.R. Tolkien has found and translated this old book called the Red Book of Westmarch. So he did not It's not even the Red Book. It's not even the Red Book. It's a copy of the Red Book. It's a copy of the Red Book. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So he did not write any of this. He is merely translating it for English audiences. Um, That is sort of like the, the encompassing story. And so I love how this first, the prologue, we're just already in. He is like giving us the first step into that story where he's like, let me tell you about hobbits. Let me tell you. And he's presenting it like it's a history because that's the fiction that we're, that's like the meta fiction that we're living in. Um, So I just find it delightful. And And it gives you like just the feeling of the hobbits having lived in our world. And it's like, oh, but you don't see them very much anymore because humans are big and stupid and we make a lot of noise and they don't want to be bothered. True. Yeah. Can relate. (laughs) But yeah, starting off with concerning hobbits, 
Um, I was very excited to read this because so far I've had a lot of elf lore, a lot of dwarf lore, and this is really the first time I'm getting a lot of like hobbit lore. So, okay, just, and I love that too. I'm sorry, I'm gonna be talking constantly, but like that's, that's I just why you're love here. that he's this like is a podcast. Please yeah, like the hobbits are so important. <laughs> It's just so it's so great because the thing that everyone takes away from Lord of the Rings and everyone who like recreated high fantasy in Tolkien's model like forgets about the hobbits and it's just like there everyone is interested in like the kings who are like men who don't want to be king and the elves and the dwarves and their ancestral rivalry and like everybody forgets about these little guys who live in their nice little pastoral corner of the world and i just i just love that we start out with treating them with the same lore and interest as the elves are treated mm-hmm. yeah it's it is just I, I you're right that i feel like a lot of fantasy misses out on the hobbits because they're almost like a bridge between us and like modern day sensibilities where we we're also very accustomed to like plenty and kind of like this very sedentary lifestyle and then connecting through the hobbits where they're in adventures and we're like, oh my goodness, that is dangerous. I don't know how to fight. I don't know how to swing a sword. And just kind of playing off that aspect. Uh, like a lot of fantasy misses out on that. Yeah. Um, More stories about people who are bad at things. Yes, <laughs> This please. is my like big, big like desire from everything is I just want to see characters who are not very talented or skilled <laughs> in anything that they're trying to do. Like Sam Gamgee is a good gardener, but he does not do any gardening in this book. That is not his job in the book. <laughs> but he shows his quality. You're right. He does a little bit. <laughs> he does a little at the end. Spoilers. Toby. Just a little. Um, so... Yeah, concerning hobbits. Uh, did you do you have any big takeaways, Tori, from yeah. concerning hobbits? I know it is really very much like a lore dump. It's like, and here's Mary Adock talking about pipeweed for a few pages and how I love that cool they hold a full section is. about pipeweed. Um, well, yeah, important. I'm gonna go through my notes and my new learnings. Uh, first note is that they are small. They are smaller than I thought. I, uh, what is it like two to four feet? Yeah. Two to four feet. Didn't realize they were that small. They're little guys. Little guys. Little guys guys. running around. (laughs) Um, And then the little section where it talks about the types of hobbits um, was also very fun having watched like Rings of Power now. Like there's always talks about Harfoots. I didn't know anything about Harfoots until the show. And now here's a little section about Harfoots. And I was like, wait, I know them. Uh, so learning yeah. about the Harfoots, the stores, and the Fallowhides. Yep, the stores, Harfoot stores, Fallowhides, and each one kind of gets their own like special, like what they're good at and who they hang yeah. out with. Like Harfoots hang out more with dwarves than they do other people. Stores are all about humans, and Fallowhides are like the weirdos who got to hang out with elves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I uh, love like I'm sh- I'm sure you guys have talked about this on the the podcast, but like people, everyone is so whatever about Rings of Power and like there being like brown and black actors in it. And I just love that it is here on it's page twelve in my edition. Harfoot's browner of skin. It's just like literally there right you go. There. Like everybody, calm down. It is in the <laughs> prologue. You obviously are all fake nerds. Come on. And they are like, um, like they are described as being like the primary kind of like 
ethnic group of hobbits. Like, yeah, yeah. Most hobbits you meet are Harfoots. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, Sam Gamgee's a Harfoot. His hands are described as brown. And so, it's, I don't know, people, people are ignorant. <laughs> they don't, the they don't know group. the real lore like we do. Very or bad they're at just reading purposefully ignoring it. Yeah. Um, I also made a little note because I have in my head a elf hobbit lesbian ship, so I decided that my hobbit is a fallowhide hobbit as a hobbit who hangs out with elves. So um just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, if I was gonna say, like, what what group of hobbits would you place yourself in? Because I feel like I'm definitely a Harfoot in this regard. Because I'm all about dwarves. Uh, well, me being obsessed with elves, I'm gonna be a fallowhide one just to hang out with. You are elves. being, a, yeah. <laughs> I love I love hills and I love dwarves. I'm gonna be a Harfoot. I think I would be a Harfoot too. It just seems I just like that they're like the littlest ones. They're yeah, neat they're the and nimble. It's cute. <laughs> I do like also how they're like, and stores, they're the ones who can grow facial hair, but only a little bit. Only, only a little. little facial hair as and a treat. Sometimes they can wear boots. Sometimes they wear In the money Oh, yeah. Season. The fact that the fact that we find out that there are hobbits who wear boots, and I'm just what? like, it's shocking. What? It's what? <laughs> and I also love how the fact that he's like, and because they don't wear shoes, Shoemaker is kind of the one business you don't want to get into as a hobbit because no one's going to buy your shit. So they wear shoes, but they're shitty. Well, yeah. Uh, well, I think they wear shoes, the but they stores literally... occasionally wear shoes, but they're bad shoes. Like, that is canon. I wouldn't say they're bad shoes because they're, they're, they're dwarf boots. So they don't even make the shoes. They buy them oh. from dwarves who are passing through. They're I like, think. we do not know. We do not understand this technology. We do not wish to understand it. <laughs> we just need some shoes for our feet. Can I buy your boots, please, yeah. sir? And meanwhile, the dwarves who are so used to like selling like armor and, and swords, and they're like, you want my boots? Don't you want this magical <laughs> sword? No, no, thank you. Just your boots, please. Uh, I wonder now if there's like a dwarven cobbler who makes a killing every now and again, just going through like store uh, farm lands with like a little cart, like get oh your boots God. here, so fresh cute. boots. <laughs> Absolutely. That's my new. That's my new. Oh, if ever I join your little Hobbit D and D campaign, I want to be the dwarf who passes by selling shoes. Oh He's God. just there. We're gonna do it. I was literally, I was literally reading concerning hobbits because I was working on this idea for a Shire-based campaign. Concerning everyone... hobbits? Oh, you mean yeah. the Hobbit Five E source book? Exactly. Literally. Exactly. <laughs> I also so one of my like like other drums that I love to be with Tolkien is like how kind of like anti-capitalist these books are in in ways that I think um, sometimes slip under the radar. And I think the Shire is just, it's presented as the idyllic place. It is presented as the most perfect place, basically. Really and it's, it's so interesting that there's hardly any government... Um, and I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm reading a specific quote. Um, it says, "As a rule, they're generous and not greedy, but contented and moderate. So estates, farms, workshops, and small trades tend to remain unchanged for generations, which I just love. Nobody is out here trying to grow their business. If if you have your little blacksmith shop and you make the shoes for the ponies and you make the nails for the hobbit holes, like you do not need to get bigger." than like what you are if you have your little farm you do not need to expand your farm and there's like it's like a part of hobbit like culture and lifestyle that they 
are not interested in in making those expansions. And when you rarely do see people who do that, like the Sackville Bagginses or Ted Sandyman the Miller, they're really looked down upon by everybody else. They're like, look at these fucking yeah. capitalists. It really is such a vibe. And- they're just like hanging out in their little land, sticking to themselves. There's no war or they don't even like care to dabble in any of the politics outside. They're just vibing. Yeah. Yeah, the the fact that they are selfless enough that on their own birthdays they give away presents. It's so as opposed cute. to being given them. And so because everyone has a birthday like every other week or so, like just everyone just giving. has a lot of presents all the time. And it's just I, I would love to live in a world where <laughs> it was on your birthday you give away gifts. Bring back like a, thanks for gift coming. Bags. Thanks for celebrating. Like with you me. had as a child. Remember those little ones with like little yes. erasers and toys and like candy? Let's bring that back. Candy, yeah. Classics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I gotta they do live like this very like relaxed lifestyle where like uh the fact that they don't really have a police force. I think they have like three sheriffs yeah. and it's mostly to make sure animals aren't like getting out like their animal control more so than actual police. Yeah. Um. You have the mayor who's elected, but all he does is really like is supervise like feasts and banquets and stuff because everyone follows the rules and that's like, that's what you do. They're the rules and that's, that's all you really need. I had made a note there too. I was like, "Hobbit said a cab." Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, Tori, you have to have me back when you do the scouring of the Shire. In oh, a million, we're a definitely bringing you back now, for the scouring. That is the most a cab chapter of anything you will oh. ever read. Is that? <laughs> and in it's, this it's like shocking. Book? <laughs> it's one. It's the second to last chapter in the entire series. Okay. Yeah. So it'll take you a while. So good. Yeah, we'll get there in like two years or so. <laughs> yeah. Um. And who knows? We could record it in person by then. Mm. Uh, but yes, so... Lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> what, what other notes do you have on the hobbits that have concerned us all? <laughs> I underlined a note that they shoot well with the bow. They're keen-eyed and sure at the, sure at the mark, mm. which I did not know before going into this. And I like how Jimmy made a little note about um, if any hobbit steeped for a stone... It was well to get quickly undercover, as all trespassing beasts knew very well. And I felt like uh, Bilbo was always throwing rocks, so that's cute that it's like, oh, he's a good rock thrower. <laughs> this yeah. is an important note we're going to put in this chapter. <laughs> they use that to to great effect in the um, Battle of Five Armies movie, where he's like sniping orcs. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. so stupid. <laughs> it lends itself to one of my favorite aspects of the video game Battle for Middle Earth, where you kind of control like these little heroes as their own units. And when you switch the hobbits from like their like daggers and stuff to their ranged attack, it's literally them picking up rocks and just chucking them, and they That's do great. decent damage because they just know how to throw rocks. Maybe that uh, would be my D and D character weapon of choice. It's just like a bag of rocks. Rock. Yeah. Bag of rock. Hey, I'm not gonna argue with that. That's a cool character. Yeah. I'd like to throw a rock at them. <clears throat> um, I'd like to throw a rock. One of <laughs> one of my favorite uh, kind of things an author has taken from Tolkien is uh, Andrei Sapkowski when writing The Witcher in one of the later. I think it's the last book, Lady of the Lake. Um, there's this big war going on, and the army of this countryside has basically mobilized to go fight this empire. 
which means there are a lot of uh, bandits kind of roaming uh, these areas, and they come across this halfling farm, and they start harassing these halflings and have a mind to basically just kill all these halflings and take all their stuff because it's a very prosperous farm. And then the only halflings there are like the dad, his daughters, his wife, his old granddad, then like his aunt. And these bandits, like, as soon as they're like, we're gonna kill you and take all your stuff, immediately, like, they, the, like, hobbits just all like, well, they're halflings. They're, they can't cannot be <laughs> But they all take, like, these farming implements and just chuck them at, like, one guy gets, like, impaled on a pitchfork, like, lickety-split. <laughs> the ant just takes her shears and just jabs him up into, like, Lord. she runs up to his horse and just jabs him. The author, like, writes down, he's like, The whole episode took about as long as it would take to say, Halflings are extremely fast and agile and can flawlessly hurl missiles of all kinds. And it is, yes. it's like this brutal scene. And, like, that, once they're done killing them, they're like, okay, go bury them in the woods with the others. And they just <laughs> drag them off. And it's like this darker side of Hobbits that I'm like, I kind of would have, I could, I could fuck with that. I could, I could get in with that. Yeah. I think Don't that was one of the hobbits. most shocking things I learned reading The Hobbit was how fast they are and how fast Bilbo gets from one place to another. I was like, he's basically a little Sonic. <laughs> yeah, he's... I think we looked up how fast they actually run because someone calculated, like based off of the days it took him to get from the Shire to, I don't remember, the next town over. Um, Bree. Bree, yeah. Do you remember how fast it took him? Well... I wouldn't even say that's even their fastest time because they, they take a big and old yeah. And if they're getting ponies. to Bree in the books, like it's like they take the biggest roundabout way to get to Bree. In Spoilers. The books. We'll get to that. Latoria, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. My last, my last thing that I love about concerning hobbits and that I love about hobbits is there's this concept that although they are so soft and sweet and gentle, they are surprisingly tough. And I think that that's you see that so well throughout this this book. Um, there's mm. a line. Hang on a sec. They were so unwearyingly fond of good things, not least because they could, when put to it, do without them. And I just love that Aww. that they appreciate life because they know that they might not always have it. And I, it, it, there's just something I find incredibly inspiring and resilient about hobbits. Besides, like they're cute and they're cottagecore, and like it's fun to imagine all the cuteness of it, but there is also something about the resilience of living well and trying, like, searching for, like, pleasant experiences, knowing that you also can survive if you don't have those things. God, what a pandemic mood. Literally. (laughs) It really does come around to, like, them also, like, remembering, like, these quote-unquote days of dearth, where, like, the Shire was having bad times, and then, like, that they, they still remember it. They're like, oh, remember the winter of... Such and such when the wolves came over the brandy wine. Oh, what a what a dark time that was. Oh well, back to life. Yeah. It's like you get those memories, like and we get to see like how like later on, just how resilient Samwise in himself Samwise and Frodo surviving in Mordor where Boromir is like the very air you breathe will like kill you. Yeah. And you have Sam and Frodo just taking the ring to Mordor. And how it is the the memory of the Shire and the memory of these beautiful things that kind of gives them that strength. Um, it's just something I, I really, I truly, it truly is such a pandemic mood. I feel like I have been like really trying to embody that form of resilience in the last couple of years. And it is very yeah. rewar- rewarding. Carrying the good times with you and hopes yeah. that they'll return at the end of it all. Yeah. yeah. 
<sighs> God, this whole thing is just going to be all up in field. I know. We're not even, we haven't even started the book proper. <laughs> Were there any uh, other notes within uh, concerning hobbits? I do love uh, this idea of, um, uh, with concerning pipeweed, of Marietta kind of having this slight grudge with the Bree hobbits and being like, they say that they were the first to smoke pipeweed. And that may be true, but it was, was it Hornblower? Old to, uh, Tobold Hornblower who made the real first proper pipeweed. And whatever we were smoking before was, wasn't the good shit. And that's important. They have that right in the history books. Yeah. And again, it does this interesting thing that is not what you would typically do in just a, a complete fiction book where it's like Mary later writes down this thing and he becomes the master of Buckland and he writes a book about pipeweed. And you're like, I haven't even met Mary yet. I don't know who this is. Who is this? So Why like, is this? you're telling me that he survives the quest and becomes the master of Bucklands. Like you're giving all of that away. And it, but it's, it's part of, I think Tolkien was so committed to this format and this meta text that it's so um, good. it makes sense. It's so good. And so it's cool. So good. And it gives me, it makes my little hobbit heart proud when he writes, but even the Dunedain of Gondor allow us this credit. Hobbits <laughs> first put it into pipes. Not even the wizards first thought of that before we did. <laughs> and the fact that he's like, see, look how stupid the wizards are compared to us for putting <laughs> stuff in pipes. Come on. I love it. It's so good. I showed it bef- the the year before I showed it to you and Steph Tori. I showed it to a couple friends who had, I think they'd seen it like when the movies came out, but not for ages. And I showed it to like one of my stoner friends who was just like, they are constantly smoking weed. And I was like, they oh, yeah. really are. It's like fundamental to this story. They invented weed. Fun fact. In this fun world fact. as well, they invented weed. It is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it's like a very chill, like indica, like a very mild <laughs> indica. Mm-hmm. Nothing too strong. Yeah. Uh, All right. I think if that's it with concerning hobbits, we're ready to begin. We're ready to begin our first foray into the Lord of the Rings with a long expected party. Um, This is a long expected party. Was the first chapter in The Hobbit called an unexpected party? Uh, yes, the first chapter is an unexpected. I thought that party, was very cute. How they both played off. No, of that. Did you just realize that, that, Molly? <laughs> it was very cute how they played off of that with each other. I love saying things that Molly hasn't thought of. <laughs> and we're emotional over the chapter title. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> He's so cute. He is such a cute man. <laughs> like I cannot. <laughs> I I have just like at times just put on like one of the interviews with him and he's just kind of stumbling over his words but he's just this very like grandfatherly figure where he's just talking about his work like he'll be writing down elvish he's like now of course elves would write a lot better than I can oh and like he and he like he's writing and he's like oh made a little mistake there and no one else could tell because you made up the language my dude but he literally says oh I made a mistake he is committed to the bits. He's committed that, to the bit. He it was a lifelong LARP that he was doing, and we all benefited from it. Thank you, J.R. Tolkien. He had to take everyone on for this ride. Yes. Alright. Oh, with starting yes. this chapter. Go ahead, Molly. 
Oh, I was just I was just gonna start us off for the chapter and say that there is a great tweet which I will paraphrase and apologies because I don't remember who made it, but they were just like, Lord of the Rings just starts out the first couple paragraphs are like Bilbo Baggins looks young, super hot, super rich, super gay, having a party. <laughs> and that's that's it. That's all oh, we that's what we know just right off the bat. <laughs> I aspire to be Bilbo. We do begin with this very iconic three paragraphs. Um I used to have this memorized entirely, mm. this first little section. Uh, and I was like, ah, this'll get me the ladies for sure. And <laughs> it hasn't. But yeah, maybe just I, maybe les- I've just fall- lesbian Maybe because I've fallen out of practice. Maybe it's simply because yeah, I've fallen it, out of practice. It helped you acquire a lot of lesbians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this'll get the ladies for sure. It brought the ladies, but like you a very just, different you caliber. Didn't specify which ladies. <laughs> One finger on the monkey paw closes. <laughs> The lesbian monkey paw. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, I do love this uh, opening, which I'll just read. When Mr. Bilbo Baggins of Bagand announced that he would shortly be celebrating his 111st birthday, also, love the phrase 111st. That's how we should count all the fucking time. I don't care if numerologists are like, that's not how it works. No. It's 111st now, baby. By celebrating his, would be celebrating his 111st birthday with a party of special magnificence, there was much talk and excitement in Hobbiton. Bilbo was very rich and very peculiar, and had been the wonder of the Shire for 16 years, ever since his remarkable disappearance and unexpected return. The riches he had brought back from his travels had now become a local legend, and it was popularly believed, whatever the old folk might say, that the hill at Bag End was full of tunnels stuffed with treasure. And if that was not enough for fame, there was also his prolonged vigor to marvel at. Time wore on, but it seemed to have little effect on Mr. Baggins. At ninety, he was much the same as at fifty. At ninety-nine, they began to call him well-preserved, but unchanged would have been nearer the mark. There were some that shook their heads and thought this was too much of a good thing. It seemed unfair that anyone should possess, apparently, perpetual youth as well as, reputedly, inexhaustible wealth. It'll have to be paid for, they said. It isn't natural, and trouble will come of it. And then the fu- the next sentence, I feel, really sums it up. But so far, trouble had not come. And as Mr. Baggins was <laughs> generous with his money, most people were willing to forgive him his oddities and his good fortune. <laughs> Tru- the rest of the book is about trouble coming. <laughs> it really, yeah, so far, Unfor- trouble had unfortunately, not come. Unfortunately, <laughs> they were right. <laughs> Looks into the camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the narrator is like... Bilbo yeah, is such I do a love... legend. He became such a le- legend at the Shire. I just love how this, the beginning of this big epic reads like local town gossip, basically. Of, this guy was really hot and really rich, and everyone was really impressed with him. And they were said, oh, this, is, this can't possibly be a good thing. But so far, it was a good thing. <laughs> and we just go on from there. Yeah. Uh, like who who knew that it would start with this and end with this downfall of a great dark lord it's it really does fall into the fact that the hobbits are a very unassuming people yet they come to shake the pillars of the mighty it's uh. yeah 
And I love, um, I don't know if you've like dug it all into the history of Middle Earth, Paul, um, but it's it's a collection of Tolkien's like previous drafts for Lord of the Rings. Um, yep. And so I've mostly read like the first couple bits because like the first few chapters, like in these different drafts, because I'm really curious about how he wrote The Hobbits. Yeah. And he, this party is like his, always his starting point. And I'm really interested, as a writer, I'm really interested in... Because I feel like I, I have that with my stories as well, like scenes that never change. And even when the entire story shifts around them, there is this nugget of truth in the scene. And so mm-hmm. I love that he started, and Lord of the Rings, he didn't know it was going to be about a king returning. I don't think he knew it was going to be as epic as it became. Um, it For a while, Aragorn is a hobbit named, what's his name? Uh, Trotter. I Trotter. Think. Yeah. Aragorn is a hobbit named Trotter who wears Cute. wooden shoes. And it's just, it's just, Frodo is named bingo Frodo's name bingo like everything is like completely wrong but it always starts and the the wording is always almost exactly the same and it always starts with a party yeah and there's something really lovely about just this idea that Bilbo has just just we're just checking back in with him after this adventure that we saw and we're we're seeing what he's been doing since then and um we are we are coming in at this sort of midlife crisis for Bilbo um, and this turning point when he's about to change things. And that's just always how the Lord of the Rings has begun in every single draft. At the end, oh. there's always going to be a party. And I think that's yeah. just a very kind of charming thing where Again, what a Tolkien's mood. like, I, how I want this to start is I want just a bunch of people coming together for a celebration. And that's yeah. just what I want. And, it just reminds me of our <sighs> wedding because that's all I wanted for our wedding was exactly yeah. that. <laughs> You captured the vibes of Yeah, this was definitely on the, the Pinterest board for, for <laughs> my and Nate's wedding. <laughs> but yes, uh, so basically, we get this little introduction of Bilbo Baggins, this odd eccentric who lives in this lovely home of Bag End, very wealthy, uh, very freely giving with his wealth, of course. And from there, we get to hear about his different relations, uh, how he stays in contact with all of them, except, of course, the Sackville Bagginses. <laughs> and, but we also, it, I'm also kind of touched by this part where he had many devoted admirers among the hobbits of poor and unimportant families, but he had no close friends until some of his yeah. younger cousins began to grow up. And I feel like it's, it's a side effect of having gone on that adventure in his 50s. Like, he can't relate to anyone else his age because no one else had adventures. It's the younger hobbits who still have these dreams of tramping off into, into the woods and not coming back for hours at a time that he really connects with them, this younger generation. Uh, like, he, he's, he's a member of his generation that kind of got left behind. And it's, like, this kind of aspect that I think kind of plays in with the fact of uh, Tolkien having fought in the First World War, mm. how he and that generation kind of got stooped for a second. Like, their development got stalled by the fact that this horrible thing happened, and the fact that they had to kind of, to get regain some of their innocence, had to look at the younger generations who didn't know that kind of thing. Yeah, so... you had this experience that was the most profound and intense experience of your life and it is completely irrelevant to what you're meant to return to you all the skills you learned and all the memories that you have are almost not things that you even can bring up in polite company when you go back home and it's yeah there is a there is a deep sadness to bilbo that i am obsessed with there is a deep sadness to lord of the rings but um 
Bilbo has this, this wistfulness and this kind of, especially when you remember how he was on, on the quest for, um, uh, to Erebor and you remember how he kind of didn't want to be there and he was upset the whole time and he just wanted to go home to his armchair and like, he just complains the entire time and then he gets knocked out during the battle and half of his friends die. Like it's, it doesn't, it's not fun. He does not have a fun time at any point, but he is still deeply nostalgic for it because it was the most real thing that he ever experienced. And now that he has experienced that, he can never quite go back. And it gets to going forward a bit in the chapter when he talks with Gandalf, I want to see mountains again, Gandalf, mountains. And he wants to just be able to relive these places. Because I feel like up until he leaves the Shire, he's been putting on a mask he's been putting on the good hobbit mask where he's like oh i'm content with my nice house and my garden look how bright your garden look yes i'm very fond of it and all the shire but it's not for me anymore gandalf and the fact that then we then see it with frodo but to a greater degree later on in return of the king is you know what no you're not sad yet the sadness comes later this is a happy time (laughs) party this is a party Bilbo's going to be 11-1, and Frodo's going to be 33. He's finally going to be an adult when he hits 33. Good to know I still have that time. (laughs) What do you think, Tori, about Frodo's, like, introduction or lack of introduction? Like, this is our main character, and... Yeah, I feel like this whole chapter, there's not even much of Frodo. It's very much focused on, like, Bilbo and party and getting ready to the party, which is kind of a cute transition with having gone from, like, The Hobbit to this. It does seem like a continuous story. It's like, okay, it ended on Bilbo's home, and now we're picking up, and, like, Bilbo's getting ready to, like, go, go on another vague adventure you don't know of, and... If I was reading for this for the first time and had no prior knowledge, um, I, I would still think Bilbo is kind of like the main character. There's like little yeah. mention of Frodo, yeah. but it's not really much to know. It's just like, oh, it's his. Also, me learning that like, I don't really didn't really know the relationship between Frodo and Bilbo. And he's his cousin, but he calls nephew. Is that correct? I think he's uh, his cousin and he's... his nephew. Oh, his of... family tree is like complicated. I don't think he is at all his actual nephew. Oh, I think really? he simply calls him Uncle Bilbo as <clears throat> like a... Because uh, he's described by uh, Hamfast Gamgee as Mr. Bilbo's first and second cousin uh, due to the way I'm things I'm going to need a hobbit family okay. tree. <laughs> Fortunately, luckily for you, there luckily, are. Yeah, luckily for look, you, look that was one of the C, big, yeah, friend. look at the appendices. Yeah. Um, yeah, hobbits, yeah, hobbits have complex interwoven family trees. Um, <laughs> I do like how we get these introductions of these characters, though, from other characters, because we don't yeah. learn too much about Frodo until we hear the gossip at the ivy bush where Sam's dad is basically holding court, basically, uh, with old noaks of bywater, Daddy Two Foot, Daddy Two Foot, yeah. Daddy Two Foot. <laughs> God, I love it. Oh. Yeah, there's this interest, very interesting circling around. Which, again, like looking as it, looking at it as a writer as well as a reader, it's just it's almost this like coy dance of like getting close to your characters, but like 
not starting with them. And I, I, I I just, I love it. And I I also feel that when I, when I write stories is like, it takes me a while to actually feel like I know who the characters are and then they will end up surprising me. And so there's something so lovely about like Frodo is the protagonist of the story, but we, we just get these little hints of him at first and we just barely see anything about him. We see him like silently toasting Bilbo at the party and stuff like that, but like he doesn't take any actions really. Yeah, not um, until, like, after until the end. Yeah. 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 And it's, I have this. Okay, well, Tori, did you know about Frodo's parents drowning and that he's an orphan? No, that whole part was so sad. <laughs> no idea. But it also, like, I don't, it kind of helped with the relationship between, like, Frodo and Bilbo. Because, like, Bilbo didn't have any sons and Frodo doesn't have any parents. So it really kind of, like, helps solidify the importance of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, did not know that. Yeah, I'm fascinated by their relationship because, and we'll see this more, especially because we don't really see them interact here. We see them interact later when they meet up later in the book. And there is, Bilbo is so oddly distant. Like he leaves possibly forever, maybe going out into the world to die without saying goodbye to Frodo. Like he, Frodo knows he's going but he still doesn't wait to say goodbye to Frodo. And Frodo's like, I realized that I loved him and I wish that he had stayed, but he didn't. And I haven't said that to him and I never will say it to him. There's this weird, really kind of odd and interesting emotional detachment where they care yeah. very deeply for each other. But I think Frodo, I think, has this this trauma that I don't think Bilbo is at all equipped. I, I always see Bilbo as a very selfish person in like a, the most charming way, but Bilbo is incredibly self-obsessed. And so I think he's like, this is fun. I'll like adopt my gay little nephew and bring him to live with me. Like he's like the one queer hobbit, like we share related a to me. We share yeah. a birthday. Why not? Um, but then there's never quite that connection. Like you don't get the sense that Frodo ever talked about his house, how hard it was for him to lose his parents to Bilbo. Like, that's just not something I can imagine happening. But there, nevertheless, there is this really powerful connection. I always took it as Bilbo was too afraid of, like, goodbyes. So that was the reason he kind of just left was because he didn't want to deal with, like, that emotional of having to say goodbye potentially for forever. So he's just like, it's easier if I just, like, give you my shit and then go. I think you're right. Yeah. His yeah. last proper goodbye we hear about is with Thorin in that tent as Thorin is dying. And, Thorin and he's gives like, him a ever since then, goodbye. no more goodbyes. Ugh. Am I yeah. going to be a After that, this whole like, time? No more. <laughs> it is. Oh, God. I'm hurting myself today. Um, I also love how we also kind of get like these different rumors that just surround the Bagginses like oh there's tre- there's tunnels filled with gold and jewel and jewels, jewels. how they spell it. <laughs> jewels um and then of course my fa- favorite is uh it's sad but they're like debating about how Drogo and Primula died <laughs> And it's like uh Drogo was so fucking fat from eating that uh they sunk and and then of course Sandy and fucking Buzzkill coming around with I heard he pushed her in, and she Damn. pulled him in. Her, he, yeah, and he pulled her Damn. in after him. Of course, like Sam's dad's like now none of that because he's like on good <laughs> terms with Bilbo and Frodo. It is very interesting. It's it's it feels it, very. It leads are, me. To are you going to bring up a theory? A very crackpot theory. Please, of, please bring it up. Yes, I had it um, written down in my notes. <laughs> this crackpot theory of uh, Gollum, who's been searching for Bagginses actually reached the Shire and found and because he's all about like slipping through water because he used to be a store 
um, yeah. uh, he he came across the two Bagginses, Frodo parents, knew, found out their name was Baggins, and drowned them, oh. and went, okay. I did it. Problem solved. <laughs> and they probably, like, searched their bodies for a minute. Yeah, I couldn't find, find it. it. It was like, curses. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. one of the more crackpot theories that I've heard. It's such a crackpot theory, I, but I love it. I love it. it. <laughs> I love it. Because it's such like a horror movie vibe of like the couple going out boating in the moonlight and then you just have Gollum's head coming out of the water. like And just like little baby Frodo. And I just have to talk about <laughs> how I love Frodo Baggins as a character so fucking much. Like he is he is my favorite character in the book, I think. Um, but like just little Frodo like living in um, Brandy Hall, which is this gigantic warren. It's like most hobbits live in like single family homes or maybe a couple families, but this is like a ton of Brandy Bucks all in this hall. There's hundreds of hobbits. And Frodo is just this little orphan boy. I don't mm-hmm. know how old he was when his parents died, but he is there for a good amount of time before Bilbo. Like Bilbo doesn't adopt him until he's like old enough to be fun to hang out with. Bilbo doesn't adopt him until he's 21. And so Frodo just, like, was kind of raised by committee but didn't have any, like, parent figure. And it just – there's this, like – there. I don't even exactly know how it all fits together, but I think it – something in that fits in with the fact that he is the only one who can carry the ring and not be corrupted by it. It is something about this, like, lack or emptiness of connection that he doesn't – he doesn't have a thing to want or a thing to protect that he feels really strongly about. And mm. he will discover that throughout the course of the book. He will start to find the depths of those feelings. But especially in the beginning, he's so checked out and such a like spacey kind of character. And I I, I, I attribute it to the trauma. It's the trauma. Damn. That's my theory. Frodo Damn. Baggins was broken from the beginning. <laughs> also, oh, it's how okay. you realize like, how he becomes so close with Mary Brandybuck because they probably grew up together. Yeah. Like, in mm. Brandy Hall. Yeah, Mary's, like, a bit younger than him, but not... He is, yeah. I know but Pippin's, like, really, much. really little, but Mary's a bit older. Yeah, Pippin is a tween. A tween. Also, I love the fact that we get the fra- the word tween. Yeah, in this yeah. Hobbit tweens. Uh, and we also get to hear how close the Gamgees are with the Hobbits already. They're the described as very good terms. And the fact that uh, it is Bilbo who teaches Sam how to read and write and yeah, learn him his letters. <laughs> and I hope no harm will come from it. Yeah, elves and dragons, I says to him. Cabbages and potatoes are better for me and you. Don't go getting mixed up in the business of your betters or you'll land in trouble too big for you. And he's right. <laughs> and he does, but it's not too big but for him because he's great. It's good. Oh, yeah. it's so... I, yeah, the amount, the amount of... of fan fiction that is about Sam learning to read at Bag End is truly wonderful. It's it's such a there's just these, I mean, this is the magic of Lord of the Rings is like, you can zoom in on any single paragraph and be like, I can imagine a whole narrative out of this. And Yeah, there's so many stories beautiful. that can be told here. Um, since we're yeah. on that page, I want to shout out to the listeners. I did this while reading The Hobbit, it, but yes, I have started a new marker? Fellowship of the Rings queer count. And Yay! this chapter alone almost has as many queers in the whole Hobbit book. Um, and I want to read this line that's currently on this shirt that Molly designed. You can say what you like, Gaffer, but Baggins a queer place and its folk are queer. This, this, the if whole that's story. being queer, then we could do with a bit more, bit queerness, more queerness in these, in these parts. parts. Yeah. 
So good. So much cooler. Scabber is an ally. <laughs> ally. <laughs> ally. I just like, uh-uh. I genuinely am so obsessed with this concept of bag end as, and it's, it's actually something we get, we get in concerning hobbits as well, where it says hobbits always live in like big families. Frodo and Bilbo as bachelors are very exceptional. And the fact that they live in this big old home alone, it just is, there is something about that where it's like, these are the like rich gays who live here, not as a couple, but like as like a mentor mentee situation. Yeah. And, like, but they're rich and they're nice and like, yes, Bilbo's weird. He's gone on adventures, which is like truly like subtext for being queer in these in these books. And but we tolerate them because they're they throw really great parties. And if that is not true to the queer experience, I don't know what is. The queer reading of this book can be just so incredible. Like It is very rich, a rich text. A very rich text. Oh, I can't wait. And so there's the build up to the party. Dwarves arrive to help Bilbo with the party. And I always wonder, are any of the dwarves from the company part of that? I like wish it said I imagined which it. Which dwarves? Because I feel like it has to be some of the dwarves who found out Bilbo was celebrating this big party. And when he put in this order for like toys from Dale, you gotta you gotta have given me some of those dwarves. Yeah, it says there's three three dwarves, but we don't know which ones. Yeah. In my head, there were some dwarves dwarves from the company. Honestly, good. Because I love (laughs) this idea of these dwarves who have now become very important individuals in their own right, taking the time to travel across this continent to see their friend on his birthday and then escort him. It's Bilbo's 11th birthday. Yeah. (laughs) Escort him back to the Lonely Mountain. (laughs) Uh, It's such a beautiful thing. Uh, And then Gandalf appears with his, uh, with all the hobbits knowing knowing of him only because of his fireworks and they're like his real business was a bit too over their heads and they don't really <laughs> give a shit. G for also, grand. Yeah, G for grand. <laughs> I was about to say that. I was just going to say when I was reading that section um about his fireworks and the runes that were on the crates, I paused and like looked up at Stuff's arm just to match like the rune on their arm and the mm. rune here because this is really the first time I've seen the rune um, and I wrote it's, do you, ha- do it's you have the, the elf rune G? yep because yeah. okay because the other uh, rune is a Feanorian G and I know you would not have wanted a what? Feanorian G yeah. yeah good thing I don't have it's that tattooed G- on me <laughs> it's the two G's so wait uh, yeah. the so the large red G, that's a Feanorian rune. Yeah, that's a Feanorian rune. And then uh, the elf rune. That's what Quenya. That's what Quenya would mostly be written with. And then the elf rune G is the one you have, and that would be Sindarin. Ah, didn't know that. Thank you for that tidbit. <laughs> I think it, it would be Sindarin, and technically also when dwarves are writing, they'd use that for G as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I wrote um, G for gay. Since that's Gandalf's. Yeah. G for Gary. gay. Yeah. <laughs> and all these ho- like Hobbit children are like really excited, but like like to see fireworks, but they don't get any. And Billow just gives them like a few pennies. He's like, "Go get a gumball or something." <laughs> go see a Star War. Go see. Go see a Star War. <laughs> I love the anticipation for this party. It really does. Yeah, I feel like I feel like 
I hadn't like reading this after planning a wedding tour. Do you feel like does it give you war flashbacks? Do you feel like <laughs> seen and heard? Yeah, a little bit. I wish I had some dwarves to help me through. But if maybe that was yes. just the wedding party actually helping me through. Were my dwarves? We were we were your dwarves. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just I love an- in one of the earlier versions. Oh, sorry. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say the anticipation and build up for this big party. It's like. It's laid out very well. I like how Jimmy did it. Yeah. In in one of the um, earlier drafts of this, Bilbo is his reason for leaving. He's like, I'm going to go get married. And everyone's like, who are you going to marry, Bilbo? And he's like, I don't know yet, but no one, no one, none of you fuckers. And he's like, I have to leave the Shire to find someone. And it's such a funny, it's so funny because it's like, Tolkien so easily could have like made up a <laughs> wife for Bilbo. But he was like, my giant brain. I can stretch it. I can make up many things. I cannot imagine a wife for this fancy little guy. so funny. (laughs) I know. And then it gets into this whole thing of like Hobbit marriage customs is that they would just disappear one day and come back six months later and be married. And so I was like, okay, so when Sam and Frodo disappeared, everybody, that's it. It checks out. It checks out. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's very funny. It's like at the end of his speech in the first draft, he's just like, also, I'm going to get married. <laughs> uh, also, I love how like the rumors are started in parentheses, probably by the knowledgeable Sam. Mm. <laughs> oh, Sam. <laughs> Sam, who's just like, I get to use my position to kind of like brag to my friends. Like, yeah, I've seen the the party preparations. It's so cute because I feel like he would be so, like, I'm trying, Sam does not strike me as a gossipy kind of character. And so I feel like it would be like, I don't know, he would, like, people would be like, I don't think this party is going to be this great. And he would be like, you, you don't even up. know. You, sh- you, t- <laughs> close Mr. your Frodo has mouth. worked so hard to make this party There's so good. many potatoes, you don't even know. <laughs> there are four, potatoes served seven ways. Ooh, I'd definitely go to a party with potatoes served seven ways. Mashed, baked. Stewed. Scalloped. Steamed. Grilled? Grilled. Grilled you know, potato. hobbits would know. Hobbits would hobbits have seven would know. ways. Oh, like two more, two more. French fries. It's like, you know how like the like KFC has like their secret herbs and spices? Hobbits have the secrets of preparing potatoes other ways. Yeah, yeah. Um and I love how Bilbo just totally fucks up their post office by just sending out so many letters and getting so many like variations of thank you. I shall certainly come. <laughs> the biggest like like uh, public, the biggest infrastructure in the Shire is the post office. It's the post office. It's very and he, cool. He manages he ruins, to muck he it up. It. <laughs> <laughs> like they have, they have to get like voluntary postmen to help out. Like, oh, man. Old Man Baggins is really whipping our asses this time around. And it doesn't even matter because everyone comes, even if everyone they're not comes invited. At... They still come. Everyone knew about it. Everyone came. <laughs> so good. And I love how the families of Bagshot Row were extremely interested. Old Gaffer Gamgee stopped even pretending to work in his garden. <laughs> <laughs> I just it love, like, the party of the century. They're so nosy. And, oh, God. It'd like, be the Gaffer so is, friendly. like... It's more fleshed out than Frodo Baggins in this. I yeah, just, I feel like it's yeah. so funny. I'm delighted by it. I'm like, when, <laughs> when is the gaffer getting the ring? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the tents go up. And so the kitchen goes up. A draught of cooks mm-hmm. from every inn. Uh, I want to read this part because the realization I had when reading this section. Do it. 
immerse us in this <laughs> magnificent party. Then the weather clouded over. That was on Wednesday, the eve of the party. Anxiety was intense. Then Thursday, September the 22nd, actually dawned. The sun got up, the clouds vanished, flags were unfurled, and the fun began. When I tell you I read that section, I looked up at our calendar and saw that we were starting this on a Thursday, September 22nd. I was like, I got goosebumps. I was like, what? what is it? We're, we're living it right now. I felt, I was like... I'm, I'm in the story. It's actually Thursday this yeah, year? Yeah, it's actually yeah. Thursday this yes! year. Yes! September 22nd Thursday, September is the on 22nd. Thursday. Let's do it. The year of the <sighs> ring. It's... I got... Every time I read this, the ramp up is so well written. Like, every period goes right where it needs to for you to stop. And, like, you get the chills. Just anxiety was intense. Stop. Then Thursday, September the 22nd, actually dawned. The sun got up. The clouds vanished, flags were unfurled, and the fun began. And it's just, mm-hmm. I get shivers every time I hear that, because I get, I get excited for this party that's not actually real, yep. but I'm just so hyped for it. It gives me yeah. it gives me the vibes of, like, when we were, like, your wedding was coming up, and the, amount the excitement I was having. I relate to Bobo, and also, just to throw out there, my birthday is three days before this, so, like, I'm just imagining a bunch of Virgos, this is how we throw a party. It's like we have a list, we have the invites, we have everything down to the T, so much that we are still planning the party when we're supposed to be enjoying the party. I I, I was like, I am Bilbo. Bilbo is me. I get it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, Bilbo's uh, a Virgo. I, yeah. I would buy that. I don't know a lot about astrology, but I would believe that. I only know because I am a Virgo, so I was like, I relate to you, Bilbo. We are the same. <laughs> I wish we got the other hobbits' birthdays because I'm like, any Pisces? Any Pisces in the Sam room? Sam is like May 6th, I think. Okay. <laughs> April 6th. That's he's a he's a Taurus. Aries? Is he a Taurus or Aries? It's on the cusp. I think it's I think it's Aries. Because I think that's my mom and my sister okay. right around there. Very stubborn. Steph's birthday is in April, and Taurus and Virgos go together. And I was about to, like, lose it if Frodo and Sam Cute. were, like, oh, so good together astrology-wise. I'll Google it right now while we're talking. <laughs> so we get this massive description of the party and everything that's happening. We get the description of how you give away gifts at your own birthday. And Bilbo does this as they arrive. Like, they just give them their presents. Uh there are magical toys all the way from Erebor and Dale that the Hobbit children get to play with. And honestly, this does sound like your wedding, Tori, where it's, when every guest had been welcomed and was finally inside the gate, there were songs, dances, music, games, and of course, food and drink. And yeah, the vibes, immaculate, just wonderful. Yeah. There I'm were so three official meals. The... <laughs> oh. oh, I just wanted to go back to the magical toys, because I'm curious oh, go ahead. about... Yeah. Well, it's just interesting because there's not really any magical items besides really high stakes ones like the ring. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, and there's even a part later where they get the elven cloaks and they're like, oh, are these magic cloaks? And she's like, not really. They're just beautifully made. And so I'm so curious, like, are they magical? Or are they just clockwork? And the hobbits maybe don't quite have clockwork. Like, is it like kind of just an advanced technology? Yeah. That's all. That's That's what I think about. Yeah, they don't night. like anything more advanced than like, a typical like smithy so i I could imagine them seeing clockwork and being like it's magic it's moving on its own yeah uh we get the descriptions of gandalf's fireworks which are all superb 
A fountain of butterflies that flew glittering into the trees. There were pillars of colored fires that rose and turned into eagles or sailing ships or a phalanx of flying swans. There was a red thunderstorm and a shower of yellow rain. There was a forest of silver spears that sprang suddenly into the air with a yell like an embattled army and came down again into the water with a hiss like a hundred hot snakes. And then, of course, you have Bilbo's uh, special sign for supper, which is basically he's like, so you remember that really scary dragon that almost killed us? Uh, can you recreate that in firework form? I imagine some of the dwarves had like a little like PTSD. Well, you were like, ah, oh, <laughs> it's just how lifelike it? it was. I'm gonna make a very weird poll. Have you guys seen Nope? I'm yes, I have yet. seen Nope. Okay, I think this, I'm, I'm going to try to say this without being spoilery, Tori. But, uh, Paul, do you know the scene where the character is talking about his experience as a child actor and what happened on set? Oh, and my he's, God. And he's disc- telling this horrifying story, but then he's like, he's like, you have to see the SNL skit that they made about it. It's better than the original. Like, that. that's like, they, they, they totally nailed it. And there's something about compartmentalizing your trauma by oh my God. being like, it's no, exactly tell me the story of it, make it fake. And Bilbo's like, yeah, Gandalf, make make a smog. It'll be fun. Like, I'm, I need to retell this scary thing that happened to me over and over again until it becomes something I have control of. Um, Um, Anyway, everyone go see Note by Jordan Peele. It's the best film of the year. Very good. Um, And it's kind of like, well, thank goodness (laughs) no lake men were there because like, that's like making a thing of like their 9-11 basically. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, thanks for reminding me of when our entire town got burned to the ground and a lot of us fucking died. (laughs) Thanks, Bilbo. Wow, how oh, nice. Oh, wow, a dragon. Gosh. Cool. That's cool. Thanks, man. It's just so, it's so Bilbo Baggins. It's, it's, just, so his, Bilbo it's Baggins. just his whole vibe. <laughs> that is the signal for supper. That is the signal for supper. And then there's the special din- the special family dinner party with only 144 people invited. And I'm like wondering, like, how many people actually showed up to this thing? God, where it's like only so the many. special people get to go here, but it's 144 one gross, if I may use the expression. <laughs> Very rude. <laughs> Very rude. How dare you? And this description of, like, everyone who's invited. And then the Sackville Bagginses were not forgotten. Otho and his wife Lobelia were present. They disliked Bilbo and detested Frodo. But so magnificent was the invitation card, written in gold and ink, that they had felt it was impossible to refuse. Besides, their cousin Bilbo had been specializing in food for many years, and his table had a high reputation. So they're like, okay. We're going, but we're only we're only eating. We're not talking with him. We're not acknowledging him. <laughs> They're the Sackville Bagginses are such realistic. Like I don't know. I feel like everyone like has those that family, family member where family. it's like, why do you hate me? <laughs> like well, you have it out here? for me, but we have to keep seeing each other because we're related. It's not like like if you were. Just a stranger, I could just ignore you, but <laughs> props to Bilbo for yeah. inviting them and not just leaving them off the invite list. Yeah. Oh well, he has to invite them to do his sick burn for um, uh, Lobelia later with True. the present that he leaves her. <laughs> Bilbo is a spicy bitch. So we do get to Bilbo's speech, which I think we were planning on having Tori read as Bilbo, yes. me to narrate, yes. and Molly to be a certain proudfoot uh, in attendance. <laughs> Absolutely. Can I be the other hobbits too? Oh yeah, hell yeah. You yeah, can okay. you can give the reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. the shouts gonna be you. 
After the feast, more or less, came the speech. Most of the company were, however, now in a tolerant mood. That delightful stage, which they called filling up the corners. They were sipping their favorite drinks and nibbling their favorite dainties, and their fears were forgotten. They were prepared to listen to anything and to cheer at every full stop. My dear people, began Bilbo, rising in his place. Here, 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 they shouted and kept on repeating it in chorus, seeming reluctant to follow their own advice. Bilbo left his place and went and stood on a chair under the illuminated tree. The light of the lanterns fell on his beaming face. The golden button shone on his embroidered silk waistcoat. They could all see him standing, waving one hand in the air. The other was in his trouser pocket. My dear Bagginses and Boffins, he began again, and my dear Tooks and Brandybucks and Grubs and Chubs and Broses and Hornblowers and Bulgers and Good Bodies, Brockhouses and Proudfoots. Proud feet? shouted an elderly hobbit from the back of the pavilion. His name, of course, was Proudfoot, and well merited. His feet were large, exceptionally furry, and both were on the table. Proudfoots, repeated Bilbo. Also my good Saxville Bagginses that I welcome back at last to Bag End. Today is my 111th birthday. I am 11-1 today. Hooray! Hooray! Many happy returns! They shouted, and they hammered joyously on the tables. Bilbo was doing splendidly. This was the sort of stuff they liked. Short and obvious. I hope you are all enjoying yourselves as much as I am. Deafening cheers. Cries of... Yes! And... No! Noises of trumpets and horns, pipes and flutes, and other musical instruments. There were, as has been said, many young hobbits present. Hundreds of musical crackers had been pulled. Most of them bore the mark Dale on them, which did not convey much to most of the hobbits, but they all agreed that they were marvelous crackers. They contained instruments small but a perfect make in enchanting tones. Indeed, in one corner some of the young Tooks and Brandybucks, supposing Uncle Bilbo to have finished, since he had plainly said all that was necessary, now got up an impromptu orchestra and began a merry dance tune. Master Everard Took and Miss Melilot Brandybuck got on a table and with bells in their hands began to dance the Springle Ring, a pretty dance, but rather vigorous. But Bilbo had not finished. Seizing the horn from a nearby youngster, he blew three loud hoots. The noise subsided. I shall not keep you long, he cried. Cheers from all the assembly. I've called you all together for a purpose. Something in the way that he said this made an impression. There was almost silence, and one or two of the toques pricked up their ears. Indeed, for three purposes. First of all, to tell you that I am immensely fond of you all, and that eleventy-one years is too short a time to live among such excellent and admirable hobbits. Tremendous outburst of approval. I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. This was unexpected, and rather difficult. There was some scattered clapping, but most of them were trying to work it out and see if it came to a compliment. Secondly, to celebrate my birthday, cheers again, I should say our birthday, for it is, of course, also the birthday of my heir and nephew, Frodo. He comes of age into his inheritance today. Some perfunctory clapping by the elders, and some loud shouts of, Frodo, Frodo, jolly old Frodo, from the juniors. The Sackville Bagginses scowled, and wondered what was meant by coming into his inheritance. 
Together we score 144. Your numbers were chosen to fit this remarkable total. One gross, if I may use the expression. No cheers. This was ridiculous. Many of the guests, and especially the Sackville Bagginses, were insulted, feeling sure they had only been asked to fill up the required number like goods in a package. One gross indeed. Vulgar expression. It is also, if I may be allowed to refer to ancient history, the anniversary of my arrival by barrel at Eskaroff on the Long Lake, though the fact that it was my birthday slipped my memory on that occasion. I was only 51 then, and birthdays did not seem so important. The banquet was very splendid, however, though, I had a bad cold at the time, I remember, and could only say, thank you very much. I now repeat it more correctly. Thank you very much for coming to my little party. Obstinate silence. They all feared that a song or some poetry was now imminent, and they were getting bored. Why couldn't he stop talking and let them drink his health? But Bilbo did not sing or recite. He paused for a moment. Thirdly and finally, he said, I wish to make an announcement. He spoke this last word so loudly and suddenly that everyone sat up who still could. I regret to announce that, though as I said, eleven-one years is far too short a time to spend among you, this is the end. I am going. I am leaving now. Goodbye. He stepped down and vanished. There was a blinding flash of light, and the guests all blinked. When they opened their eyes, Bilbo was nowhere to be seen. Scene. Oh. He is a drama queen. He's so <laughs> drama a queen. diva, and we love it. I like how Tolkien initially was like, he gives a reason why he's leaving, and tells them, like, he gives a reason. Scratches that, I was like, nah, this nah, bitch wouldn't give them a reason. No reason. He'd just up Doing and leave. Purely for the drama. He'd, he'd say, I love you all, yeet, and just kind of fade. Yeah. Goodness. Uh, it's great. Bilbo is such a wonderful character. He is just one of the best characters in literature. Like, I love he's him so, so delightful. Much. I was and so shocked reading that, that this is truly, he just was like, okay, bye, and then disappears and goes to pack up his things. And that's the last time Frodo sees him for a I long did. time. Poor Frodo. Yeah. Is him just God. saying, later. <laughs> bye, bitches. I do love how, though, that Frodo is in on the joke, and he's just kind of amused as everyone is losing their shit. But then everyone's like, ah, it's a prank. He'll show up tomorrow morning. And they're like, but so we need too. wine. We need wine to stable our unsteady hearts. Can't let uh, these potatoes go to waste. I just love Frodo just sitting quietly, ignoring everyone. He toasts Bilbo's chair, and then he, he or he, like, drains his glass to the health of Bilbo, and then he just walks away quietly. And it's, it's, it's just... It's such a Frodo <laughs> response where it's just, he sits quietly, toasts to Bilbo, drinks and you know what i bet he then just goes out to walk and look at the stars basically. it is also his birthday it's also his birthday oh yeah i forgot crying as i say this it is also his birthday it is it's like the equivalent of his like 18th or 21st birthday in hobbit years i there was a flamboyant uncle <laughs> there was a little fan fiction i forget what it was called but it takes it's like a little short in piece where it's like after Bilbo leaves the pavilion, Sam catches up with him, and they do have a talk about it being Frodo's birthday too. But Frodo being like, I've never really thought much of my birthday. It's never been as important to me as Bilbo's birthday is. And it's 
it just kind of shows like this little bond already formed between Sam and Frodo as they're walking under the stars. Aww. I believe Sam is slightly tipsy, and so like as they're walking, he kind of like is trying to like watch his footing. Uh, it's such Cute. a. I, I think I've actually read that one too. I love it. <laughs> it's a good one. I love that. And then we cut to Bilbo getting into the house and being like, hey, 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 and immediately just going through all his stuff and these little mementos of his journey. Then he put on quickly some old untidy garments and fastened round his waist a worn leather belt. On it, hung, on it he hung a short sword in a battered black leather scabbard. From a locked drawer smelling of mothballs, he took out an old cloak and hood. They had been locked up as if they were very precious but they were so patched and weather-stained that their original color could hardly be guessed. It might have been dark green. They were rather too large for him. And it's like, that's the clothing the dwarves gave him on his adventure when he ran out the door without anything. It's just, So ugh. cute. Locked up as if they were very precious. They are very so precious. Cute. The fact the... that he gives away other items uh, that we find out later, Tori. That he gives away like other items that are like so fucking valuable, but this this simple like battered cloak he has like locked away in a secret chest, and he's like, it's very precious. To me. Do you think this bundle wrapped in old cloths is his mithril shirt? Oh, def. I think he definitely okay. like stopped by the Madam House at some point. And was like, yeah, hey, can like- I get that shiny shirt back? And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> like we don't know what this is. We don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. Gandalf arrives with the phrase, I'm glad to find you visible, <laughs> which sounds like my parents when I would like come like out of my room as a teenager. Like, <laughs> like, oh, I'm glad to actually see you this time. Yeah. Uh, they have this little talk about how Gandalf's like, yeah, I had to make this ostentatious flash to explain your disappearance. Otherwise, people would start asking questions and rings of power are fucking dangerous, dude. And you really shouldn't be messing around with them. Also, you're leaving it to Frodo, aren't you? Yes. That whole portion where he's like... He, like you see the ring kind of taking its power on Bilbo and him like suddenly wanting to keep it and getting randomly angry... And when he calls it my precious, I was like, oh, no, 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 Bilbo, going down the wrong hill. So good. It is such a, when you know the context of that scene, like it's, you can, you read it, you can read it not knowing any context and still feel unsettled. And then the more you know, the more you, you realize what's happening. I mean, and this is where we get this like classic line that I think people quote all the time of like I feel thin sort of stretched like butter that hasn't been scraped over too much bread and it's it's just it's it's oh that can't be right I need a change and it's that's such a real feeling and I just love this this bucolic this chapter almost feels like it's narrated by the community of the Shire like we kind of get a lot of those little judgments and observations and it's not super close on any of our main characters um so I love that we just start to get this thread of unease and this mm-hmm. sense that something is not right. Bilbo describes it like, sometimes I felt like an eye looking at me. I was always wanting to put it on and disappear, don't you know? Or wondering if it was safe and pulling it out to make sure. I tried locking it up, but I found it. I couldn't rest without it in my pocket. Yeah. I don't know why, and I don't seem to be able to make up my mind. And then Gandalf saying, then trust mine. And... Mm. You mm-hmm. do see this kind of soft, tender relationship with Gandalf and Bilbo, where Gandalf is this kind of reliable uh, 
advisor, basically, to the Baggins family as a whole. And he's, like, promising to watch over Frodo, which I wonder if Gandalf ever has qualms about the fact that he has to send Frodo on this journey. Like, oh, he promised, yes. He promised Bilbo, like, don't worry, I'll look after Frodo. And then Frodo goes and gets traumatized, and it's yeah. like... It's yeah. utterly devastating. Gan- Gandalf, I mean, it feel like when you look at, when you zoom it way, way out and you're like, what is the religious tie- tie-ins to this? It very much is like God sending his son to earth to like be sacrificed. Yeah. Um, like it's it's this this notion of like, I am taking an innocent to be sacrificed. It's so, it's like the, the core tragedy of, of these books. Yeah, and he's and doing it, is, it And again. it's like Gandalf, he just is. It's and it's not even like I feel like the the really boring reading of that is just to be like oh Gandalf's super manipulative and evil and he's he's just Aaron. using them but it's like he je- he loves them so deeply he loves them but he also knows that he cannot protect them from everything mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. is sort of this is this chapter is him starting to realize that he might not be able to protect him from this bigger thing happening in the world exactly I also love the line that he gave that like no, don't give the ring to me. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this ring is powerful like so much that Gandalf is like, I I can't have it. I don't want it and I can't have it. For reasons we don't know yet in this book. Like, haven't got there yet. But with the prior knowledge, yeah. I was like, uh, if Gandalf is afraid of it, that means something. And how Bilbo quickly kind of leaves it behind and you see the spasm of anger for a second. And it's almost as if it's the ring that's angry that this has happened. But then he, Mm. like, lets it go. And all of a sudden, he's happier than we've seen him before. Because uh, we get this phrase of, what fun. What fun to be (laughs) off again, off on the road with dwarves. This is what I've been really been longing for for years. And it's like, he has really just been putting on the facade of being the good hobbit. This is what he really wanted, to be traveling with dwarves, reliving these adventures. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's it's just, it is such an interesting, it's like no one who had the ring ever gave it up willingly, except yeah. for Bilbo except and for then Bilbo. later Sam. Yeah. But up, up until this point in the ring's history, it has never been given up willingly. And so this is, uh. it is this monumental thing. And I love that scene in the, it's one of my favorite scenes in the films because it, they, the, the music and the way it's shot. The uh, heaviness just, of the ring. Yeah. Really, really gives that weight where so you just good. know that this is something monumental happening, even though it is just two old friends talking about what is going to happen to this little trinket. Um, Wow, that's it's, it's beautiful that's and it's powerful. just the subtlety yeah the subtlety of Tolkien's writing and the fact that he just doesn't feel the need to give us any of this context he doesn't he is so he's like you'll e- learn easing us in time. you'll get there yeah. yeah yeah and you're we're we're not even we don't even have all of Bilbo's information like we don't have all of Gandalf's information like we have we start out with like the information of a basic hobbit in the Shire and then we just slowly get introduced into this world and it's such such beautiful writing exactly exactly uh and we get this lovely line of take care of yourself you are old enough and perhaps wise enough take care i don't care don't you worry about me i'm as happy now as i've ever been and that's saying a great deal the time has come i'm being swept off my feet at last and it's his real home is the road. He, he Bag End, I feel like Bag End hasn't felt like home for Bilbo since he left it that many years ago to go on that adventure. And 
<clears throat> this effect, this recurring theme of the effect adventures have on us, where it it has the very real possibility of taking away this feeling of home for good, like it specifically does Bilbo and Frodo, and the fact that it almost kind of has that for Sam, where he's unwilling to die in the Shire, that in the end he has to follow Mr. Frodo into the West. Yeah. Uh, that it's like, this, this can't be my ending point anymore. Sorry, this can't be. Yeah, it is a metaphor for queerness in this essay. I will. <laughs> I've already, I already read the, read the essay. essay. <laughs> you can read there that essay. There is a beautiful essay called... Tolkien and alter- alterity. I think it's by Christopher Vaccaro, and it is it is about the link between and it's like Lord of the Rings, but then it's also his other works and all of his other stories, and it's the link between the the yearning for adventure, the call of the road, and linking that with queerness, and again this idea of like if you go too far into it, you can't return home again. You can't venture too far into like like queer life with. And and return and back come to heterosexual back like life. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, like like at a certain point you kind of can't unlearn the things that you've learned about yourself. Um yeah, it's Ooh. it's a rich text. Such, such it's a rich good text. Readings. <laughs> such good readings. It's and so beautiful. I feel like Lord of the Rings is kind of like a master class of like reading through different lenses you have the queer lens you have the capitalist lens where you're like oh what i know tolkien's like allegory is dead don't you dare bring allegory into my works but like being able to view things in these different settings in these different lenses really makes the text so much richer and so much more relatable to people yeah Uh, and i don't even consider that allegorical like yeah that's like just an interpretation like i don't mm-hmm. think he was trying to do a one one-to-one metaphor yeah. i think it was this deep emotional theme in his life that finds itself in the in the story yeah so for uh bilbo leaves uh gandalf kind of waits for frodo to come back and it is kind of like when you think about it this is kind of just a very depressing scene um would we want to do like a little reading of this too with uh Sure. Maybe yeah. Tori, you could narrate. I could play Gandalf, and Molly could be Frodo. Is this Frodo's first lines in the whole book? I think it is. These are Frodo's first lines of the book. Frodo's first line has, is, "Has he gone?" That's so fast. I'm dead. I'm dead. I always love noticing things like first. <laughs> lines. I think there's always like something there. Welcome to the oh, "Listen God. to Paul Cry on Air" <laughs> segment. It happens to us often. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Frodo came in soon afterwards and found him sitting in the dark, deep in thought. Has he gone? He asked. Yes. Answered Gandalf. He's gone at last. I wish, I mean, I hoped until this evening that it was only a joke, said Frodo. But I knew in my heart that he really meant to go. He always used to joke about serious things. I wish I had come back sooner just to see him off. I think really he preferred slipping off quietly in the end, said Gandalf. Don't be too troubled. He'll be all right. Now, he left a packet for you. There it is. Frodo took the envelope from the mantelpiece and glanced at it, but did not open it. You'll find his will and all the other documents in there, I think, said the wizard. Well, the master of Bag End now. And also, I fancy, you'll find a golden ring. The ring? exclaimed Frodo. Has he left me that? I wonder why. Still, it may be useful. It may, and it may not, said Gandalf. 
I should not make use of it if I were you. But keep it secret. Keep it safe. Now, I'm going to bed. Such an old man thing to say. Like, okay, Do you think I'm going to bed now. There's a big person sized bed just for Gandalf. <laughs> I think there are a Or does he have to sleep on a little hobbit bed and his feet stick off? I think that uh Bilbo specifically has way more beds than he needs, so he then presses them together when Gandalf comes. Aww. And then Gandalf just sleeps over like this large number of beds. Yeah. Like, but I think his him. feet probably still stick off the ends. Oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> he he always used to joke about serious things. I just the character is... portraits. I will never oh be over God. it. He always used to joke about. Serious you just can imagine. It's just like it just. We just don't even have to see them interacting, and you already know Bilbo and Frodo's story, and you know what Frodo is coming into this as our protagonist, like what yeah. background he's coming in with. Even though we do, like, you can just imagine it so clearly. It also kind of brings about this concept of. Bilbo's adventure was quite serious, but he took it so lightly. And that could be the only reason he survived. And then, but the thing is, Frodo takes his very seriously because it is very serious, and he Mm. doesn't joke about it. Yeah. And just seeing the difference between those two is. God. Yeah, they're just so character rich. I know the just the fact that Bilbo. I, I love The Hobbit. The Hobbit is such a weird-ass book because it just is, like, here's, like, eight, ch- like, comedic, you know, like, misadventures. And then half of the characters, you get knocked out and you wake up and half your friends are dead in a war. And it is so weird and tragic, like, in that way where it is actually so jarring that he just wakes up and people are already dead. And then Thorin dies in his arms, basically. And it's just, like, and then Bilbo just gets a lot of money and comes home. And no, never has anyone to talk to about it. And I just, yeah. like, there's something so, you're right. Like, the way that they approach their adventures differently, even the fact that Frodo has a constant companion and has Sam there to kind of, like, bounce off of and see that he's being, and to care about his welfare. Like, Bilbo was kind of just ping-ponging around. And then he ping-ponged back home and was like, all right, I guess I'm rich now. I don't know. Like, this is, I'm going to turn this into a fun story. Um but half of his friends died. It really does make you think, like, again, it's the mask he put on. It's him joking about serious things so that he doesn't have to fucking analyze them himself. That's how he dealt with the trauma. Otherwise, I feel like that mask would break. That's how you deal with the trauma. Yeah. (laughs) Frodo doesn't, Frodo never learned that. It's, it's like not in his nature, I think. Yeah, I think he's, he's a very earnest individual. Frodo Baggins like yeah he's not one to just make light of very serious things I think possibly because he lost his parents at such a young age like he he's known trauma longer than Bilbo has like he was like his parents died Bilbo's parents just got old and died and he was still a very wealthy bachelor he didn't suffer anything like that till he was old yeah he really just wafted about his own life and then had this experience when he was 51 that yeah, it's it's very interesting. And Tori, I'm excited for you to meet Book Frodo, um, especially in the next couple chapters, because so you will good. learn that he is like a saucy little bitch. And oh. I love him. He has a saucy side that he's just has a very dry sense of humor that is um, delightful. Okay. Okay, we, Book Frodo. I will be looking at like our little like text group for like anything, like for when you like reach different parts of Frodo's story. And we're like, okay, what'd you think of Frodo in this? Like, 
What are your thoughts on this? Um, for it. I'm excited for it. I'm excited <clears throat> to see you get through all this. <laughs> so now we go back to Bilbo being his prankster self, where uh, well, first we get the idea of uh, Frodo kind of becoming the master of Bag End, and his first real duty is to give away all these presents that Bilbo left behind. Uh, all of them with a double joke for it. So, for Adelard Took, for his very own, from Bilbo, on an umbrella, Adelard had carried off many unlabeled ones. For Dora Baggins, in memory of a long correspondence with love from Bilbo, on a large waste paper basket, Dora and Drogo's sister, and the eldest surviving f- female relative of Bilbo and Frodo, she was 99 and had written reams of good advice for more than half a century. For Milo Burroughs, hoping it will be useful, from BB, on a gold pen and ink bottle. Milo never answered letters. For Angelica's use, from Uncle Bilbo, on a round convex mirror. She was a young Baggins, and too obviously considered her face shapely. For the collection of Hugo Bracegirdle, from a contributor, on an empty bookcase. Hugo was a great borrower of books, and worse than usual at <laughs> returning them. And... For Lubelia Sackville Baggins, as a present, on a case of silver spoons. And just... Bilbo! So tongue-in-cheek. You saucy! <laughs> so saucy. Also, I'm just imagining how much this. fun Tolkien has have, like, writing these down. Like, oh, this will be cute Write and clever. I'm wondering Would if she... some of these, like qualms that Bilbo has with a few people. It's like kind of like annoying things like Tolkien experienced. Specifically the one about a guy borrowing books and then being terrible at returning them. So he's like, you know what? Here, have a whole ass bookcase to carry my books that you have. When when Lobelia arrived later in the day, she took the point at once, but she also took the spoons. spoons. She took the spoons! She took the spoons! (laughs) It's so funny! Uh, and then he gives, and then he gives yes. like the poor hobbits like a bunch of great shit. Yeah, which old is Gaffer really Gamgee sweet. got two sacks of potatoes, a new spade, <laughs> a woolen waistcoat, and a bottle of ointment for creaking joints. That's so old nice. Rory Brandybuck, in return for much hospitality, got a dozen bottles of old Winyards, a strong red wine from the South Farthing, and now quite mature, as it had been laid down by Bilbo's father. Rory quite forgave Bilbo and voted him a capital fellow after the first bottle. I think uh, that's a line. I think that's a line in the movies when yes. Gandalf shows up and Bilbo's like running through his it house, was like yelling down over by his my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, we open one day. Old Winyards. Yeah, it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Those movies. You'll notice this, Tori. I think too. Like there are so many lines that from the movies that are taken from the books and sometimes they're mm. taken from other characters or taken from different places and put in like they but they they i think whenever they could they took a line from the books instead of writing new dialogue which i think is really cool we definitely need to watch through the trilogy again after you're That's done i've read it books. oh yeah like, oh i trust or like me one at a time yeah yeah i i'm i'm oh gosh because i'll probably be in am. la by the time we finish fellowship of the ring so like <laughs> So down. Uh, and then we have this confrontation between Otho, Lobelia, and Frodo. Uh, specifically, first they confront Mary Brandybuck because Mary is looking over things while Frodo's resting. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mary's like, he's indisposed. He's resting. 
Hiding, you mean, said Lobelia. Anyway, we want to see him. They bring, uh, and then Frodo was sitting at a table with a lot of papers in front of him. He looked indisposed to see the Sackville Bagginses at any rate. Um, and they have this big confrontation where Otho's like, you're not, something's fishy here. I'm his heir. What, what the hell do you mean you're his heir? I want to see the will. And they give him the will. And he's like, ah, fuck, they got me. They got me with the goddamn... <laughs> yeah legal like the fucking like legal system of the hobbits where everything needs like a piece of paper to say oh yeah i actually have this and seven signatures of witnesses in red ink yes of course you need them you need notaries <laughs> uh just sticks around after and starts this. taking it's so shit. embarrassing for her <laughs> like she has no like low like she's just like at the bottom like this is her like rock bottom <laughs> she's like throwing stuff into her umbrella like just sneaking them and then finally you'll live to regret it young fellow which he does uh yeah. why didn't you go too you don't belong here which he doesn't <laughs> you're no baggins you're you're a brandy buck did you hear that mary that was an insult if you like said frodo as he shut the door on her it was a compliment said mary brandybuck and so of course not true it's <laughs> so cute i love mary brandybuck so much i know there's a i feel like um i'm always really curious about hobbit ages like if they actually age like is 33 like the equivalent of 18 for them or not because mary is only 20 here like yeah. he's younger than frodo Ooh. and i feel like he's being so mature yeah. but he's i don't I, I also love the idea that frodo's like my teen teen buddy is gonna like handle everything like mary has more energy than me i he definitely can... think mary is like a teen in this moment yeah frodo i feel like i feel like the coming of age is not like 18 i think it's more like early 20s when yeah, you start to be sense. able to do more stuff a little more Let's say 21 so he can legally drink <laughs> yeah yeah and so it's then cute. they need to escort hobbits who are just starting to like dig holes in his fucking house because they're like there's an echo in here the treasure's in there and they're like nope oh out you go frodo tussles with God. young sancho proudfoot <laughs> <laughs> frodo then, can't be tussling he's so little <laughs> oh i feel like he could put, he i feel from living in brandy brandy hall he knows how to put someone on their ass you're though. right you're right <laughs> he, he has like the flip over he did wrestling in high school oh my gosh so Basically, uh, at, like his tussle with Sancho is basically the last, like the last thing. He's like, "All right, Mary, lock the door behind you. I'm going to make myself some tea. Lock it and don't open it, even if they bring a battering ram." <laughs> and then, worse than a battering ram arrives, Gandalf arrives and surprise, bitch. Well, he first thinks it's Lobelia. He goes, Lobelia again, most likely. She must have thought of something really nasty and have come back again to say it. It can wait. And he's just having his tea. And then my favorite line of Gandalf's, If you don't let me in, Frodo, I shall blow your door right down your hole and out the hill. <laughs> Sassy bitch. Come in, come in. I thought it was Lobelia. Oh, then I forgive you. I saw her some time ago driving a pony trap toward Bywater with a face that could have curdled new milk. She had nearly curdled me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Frodo line. It's so cute. <laughs> I love it. He's she nearly curdled me. He's so upset. <laughs> oh, to I be just curdled. love. It. He just like it's like one day into being master of Bag End, and he is like, he's already... not like this. 
And he's already so tired, and we already see him fidgeting with the ring. Like, the ring is so desperate to latch onto someone now that I feel like it's exerting, like, greater influence than usual. <laughs> Even, like, using Lobelia as an excuse to put it on. <laughs> like It is so funny that the ring, it bitch. takes, it's like, ah, uh, Boromir, I will tempt you with wanting to save your city, and Gandalf, I will tempt you with your ancient power and wanting to save the world, and it's like, Frodo, you really don't Want like to talk to your relative. Your aunt. <laughs> She's a bitch. Latching on to introverted Frodo, and I was like, I can make you disappear. Yeah. yeah. God, that is a mood. <laughs> so basically, Gandalf arrives to tell Frodo, hey, that ring is more than it seems to be. I need to go find out more about it. I shall be back as soon as I can, but just keep it, keep it on the down low. Don't use it. And also, I need to get out of town because now people are accusing me of having murdered your uncle. <laughs> He's like, I gotta hop oh. town. <laughs> it's cute. Yeah, wait, what does he say that they're like in a conspiracy together? Yeah, uh, I find that I've become rather unpopular. They say I'm a nuisance and a disturber of the peace. Some people are actually accusing me of spiriting Bilbo away, or worse. If you want to know, there's supposed to be a plot between you and me to get hold of his wealth. Some oh, people, no. exclaimed Frodo. You mean Otho and Lobelia. How abominable. <laughs> I, I'm not on this line. I'd give them Bag End and everything else if I could get Bilbo back and go off <laughs> tramping in the country with him. Oh, gosh. Oh, this constant I, longing I, to follow Bilbo. I know, and it's funny because Bilbo... Bilbo's like, Frodo doesn't want to come with me. He, he would does. if I asked, but he's he in love does. with the Shire. And it's like, I don't think you actually know that much about Frodo. Yeah. Like, I think you love him very much, but I don't he think was... you actually have the ability to to know that Frodo doesn't want to come with you. There's communication so there. And Frodo would, like, never, like, be a, a bother to, like, ask if he could come. He would, he, I feel like he is, like, superimposing what he thought of himself at that age, mm. onto Frodo, where he's like, no, he still loves the Shire. He's just like me. Absolutely. And it's yeah. just like, no, he loves you a lot. And he doesn't care about Bag End. He just wants the only family he's been, like, really family. close to. Lost his parents, and then yeah. Bilbo just, like, disappears without goodbye. Like, ugh. Bilbo, you're kind of a jerk. <laughs> kind of a jerk, Bilbo. I love it. I, I love my all, all the best characters. I have. I mean, he's deeply flawed. He is a deeply emotionally stunted tiny man, and I mm. love him. And then it just. I mean, fast forward, but then it's just seven. Frodo just hangs out for seventeen years, and that's when yeah. he becomes friends with Sam. In my head canon, mm. that they were not like close before, but then it's like he needs like Frodo someone. He's just else. alone. Yeah, he's alone. He doesn't even have a job just starts talking with his gardener more often because there's no one else in the house like literally who else like my cousins all live in brandy yeah they they come by every now and again yeah they're either is so far it's in south farthing (laughs) fatty bulger has a has a nine to five job he can't just come by uh it's and that's the end of the chapter great he's great yeah yeah that's the end of the chapter that's the end of the chapter frodo and then Frodo this, did not see him again for a long time. This very iconic line, the evening was closing in and his cloaked figure quickly vanished into the twilight. And it's such a Gandalf vision to just see this old man hobbling through the twilight with his cloak just disappearing because Gandalf's always got to be somewhere. He's got to be 
fixing something somewhere else. He can't just stay yeah. and chat with T. Oh, I wonder for me, oh. especially at unlikely times. Uh, Can you imagine how lonely Frodo's first days as master of? Yes, Bag I have imagined this a lot of times. I've thought about this a lot. Because <laughs> not only is Bilbo gone, but Gandalf, like this guide of his, is also like, "I'm going away." And then he doesn't say when he'll return. Bil- uh, Frodo is just Gandalf waiting fashion. there for years. Frodo is like, I thought you were staying on for at least a week. I was looking forward to your help. That's what he says. He thought. <laughs> And everyone's showing up, asking about Bilbo. Everyone's trying to get a present. You have to clean up the whole party. Oh, my God. I really got the shit under the stick here. I know. It's, and Poor you know Frodo. what? It's a metaphor for his ultimate inheritance, the One Ring of Power. Which we will Which learn all about a big bother. in the next yeah. chapter. Shadow, Shadow of the Past. Shadow of the Past. So, yes, that but was... Damn. That was our first foray into Fellowship of the Ring, this beautiful bit of literature. It's just the prose that he yeah. is able to put into here that it's just so enjoyable to read. It's, like, yeah, already so these much different more, phrases he throws in. More than The Hobbit. I feel like The Hobbit was just like action, action, action. The fact that he describes mm. like fireworks was more description than I ever got in The Hobbit. <laughs> Yeah. Also, he really masters his, <clears throat> his penchant for run-on sentences in this one. <laughs> like, there are not nearly as many run-on sentences. Like, people actually talk like actual people in this one compared <laughs> to they do in The Hobbit. The Hobbit is a wonderful book for reading out loud, I've it found. Is. It's, it works, and that's how it was originally told. And this one, this book is definitely a novel. Um, and I think we even, the transitions that we see are very interesting of, I think I think he is in a way trying to transition the reader from the children's oral tale of the Hobbit to this like more adult novel. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is sort of the beginning of the transition. We begin with Bilbo having a party, and we end with this kind of unsettling, uh, just Frodo standing on the stoop watching Gandalf walk away, <laughs> not knowing what comes next. Poor yeah. little baby. Poor baby. If you want to have me on to talk about all of the chapters with hobbits in them like i have you know what (laughs) is that every chapter well at a certain point they start splitting up the books yeah Uh, but honestly (laughs) the temptation to just have you on like every episode now as like let's check with molly for the hobbit report molly (laughs) i could have a special i could have a special segment (laughs) yeah there's like a stinger that's like hobbit report it's it's sped up really the hobbit theme really fast it's it's the uh they're taking the hobbits to isengard let us know which chapters you really want to talk about and like i'm excited so i I just love i've always i love I love reading so much. This is one of my favorite books in the world. And I always want to go through a book line by line with people as they're reading it. And I, you very rarely get to do that. And even like when I've had book clubs and we read the whole book and talk about it, it's not, I'm like, I need to talk about it like line by line. <laughs> um, so I'll let you know. And I'm, I'm exactly the same. Because it gives me vibes back to uh, Tori and Steph's wedding, where it's just cut to you and me talking next to a campfire of like, who's the true innocent in Lord of the Rings? Is it Sam or is it Frodo? Which one is which? It's great. It's it's. it's the, I have it's the nerd yeah. to nerd, clown to clown communication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a, a 
infinite like bag of holding in my mind for hobbit facts like truly everything my mind is really going i had covid it's been a time (laughs) i got the brain fog the hobbit facts is the one thing that like i will be like 80 i will be in the rest home and i'll be like (laughs) (laughs) you'll you'll be spacing out and just be like tobold hornblower was the first hobbit to (laughs) Make the proper pipe weed and like the caregivers are like, okay, Molly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Molly. Frodo was considered uncommonly beautiful for a hobbit. He said that. He put that in. What do you think that means? (laughs) He's a pretty twink boy. Yes, we we know, Molly. (laughs) Oh, Uh, God. Well, every journey begins with the first step, guys. We have begun our forays into Fellowship of the Ring. Tori. How are you feeling? Are you excited? I'm excited. I like the fact that I'm already like obsessed with elves like going into this. It's like I have my niche, which is sweet. Um and I've always been a lover of books. Like I'm not a movie person, so the fact that I get to actually like read these books and have past knowledge um and enjoy like a media that I'm really really into, I'm I'm stoked. And I don't know how like, it's going to take a lot for me to stop at every chapter and not just keep going. So it'll be a, uh, a marathon. So excited to go with you yeah, on this one. I'm ready. Uh, I believe our next episode is going to be us talking about the Rings of Power. Uh, our thoughts so far. Uh, and then after that, is we... it just one yeah. chapter? After that, I believe it's just one chapter because okay. the Shadow of the Past is just a whole crap ton of like okay here's a history lesson all right and it's gandalf explaining stuff to frodo but also we get to see frodo living on his own getting close with the other hobbits uh we get frodo's first joke frodo's first joke yes we also get to see that the world is changing and there are rumors going about and we get to see sam talking about elves oh, in the next chapter sam. Excellent. The end the end of the next chapter makes me want to throw up. I love him so much. It's so good. I think we might need to have way. you on then <laughs> if you're going to promise end. us uh, throwing up over Sam. Uh, also, right. for the listeners, well, our queer count is at nine. Nine queers in the first chapter. Nine queers nine in queers. the first chapter. Yeah. I think that's, that's going to be the greatest queer to chapter ratio we're going to get in the... Uh, Cause I can't think of it being used. Queer is very much like a Hobbit expression. Because I can't think of They're just queer little fellows. Uh, maybe Gandalf would use queer. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's everything that is like seen by the Hobbits. Like they describe Strider as queer. I think mm. they describe Lothlorien as queer. But yeah, this has the like queer place for queer folk, queerness around these parts. Like right like, after each other, <laughs> bouncing, was, bouncing off each that other. That was yeah. just the slogan for a gay bar: queer place for queer folk. <laughs> just like a thumbs up. Come on by. Yes. Uh, yes. that, is, that is the gay bar that I will open. Yes. Everyone's I will attend. <laughs> I will happily bartend there. Uh, yes. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Special thanks, of course, to our guest, Molly, who we may hey, be seeing Molly. a lot more of. Oh, uh, for having me. Wanna... It was a delight. Thank you for joining us. Thank oh, you yeah. for introducing Lord of the Rings to me and having this whole thing come to be. Are there any socials or projects Truly such a pleasure. you want to shout out to um, our listeners? Oh gosh, not you know. I, I mean, you can you can find me on Twitter at Molly Ostertag, um, but I don't post on there. Much like um, Bilbo giving up the One Ring, I gave up that social media platform. <laughs> so um, I have like a Substack and stuff, but mostly you can just find my books in stores, things like that. 
Special thanks, of course, to Jack Hook for Jack. giving us uh, our lovely composition for our intro and outro music. Special thanks, of course, to Evelyn for our hey, new Evelyn. cover art for the new chapters that we will be covering. Uh, yeah, that's it. Da 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 da. All right. Beautiful.